So all season long, we've been celebrating what we call the Advent themes of Christmas, and uh, we light a candle for each of those themes, and the first of those themes uh, was the theme of hope, and then we talked about the theme of After hope, the theme that we studied was peace. Following peace was joy. And then today we're talking about the fourth and final uh, of the four Advent themes. And that final theme is the theme of love. Would you just say, just go ahead and say it in your, in your most uh, loving voice, your most loving way. Just say the word love. Just go ahead and say it. Love. Love is a theme that, that we come to understand at Christmas, and, and we understand love is something that is central to the Christmas story. Now, let me say a couple things as I, as I begin today. Number one, uh, we are having tonight two very special and very different Christmas Eve services. Five o'clock, we're going to have the kids' choir and, wait for it, the preschool choir. Come on, who loves a good preschool choir? I know I do. Uh, we're going to have the preschool choir, the kids' choir, teen choir, all singing the five o'clock service. And then uh, there'll be, of course, candlelights ending that service tonight. Then at seven o'clock, we're going to be uh, having uh, a communion at the seven o'clock service as well. So please come back, join me tonight for those services. But today, uh, it's a very different service. Now, we were at Swayze last night. How many of you, raise your hand, were with us last night at Swayze Chapel for that beautiful service? Thank you for coming. We had over a thousand in there last night. It was awesome, amazing service. But, but what we're doing is something very different today. Last night and then again tonight, there'll be separate messages, those services, but it's really focused on Christmas Eve. But today we're focusing on love. We're focusing on this very central Christmas theme of love. Now, love is prominent in the Bible over 1,200 times. The word love is mentioned in the Bible. And, and love, just think about it, is a pretty important thing, defined as love. An intense feeling of deep affection. Just think, think right now about someone or something that you love. Just think about it. What's something or someone that you love? And as you think about them, you're going to have a feeling. That feeling is a, a, an intense feeling of deep affection for the person or the thing that you love. Another definition of love, very simply, is to be deeply committed and connected to someone or something. When I was uh, in college, quite a number of years ago, I was in college and, and uh, I was uh, single and available and love was certainly on my mind in those days. There's a girl in one of my classes and I just asked her out kind of casually and I was somewhat interested in her and we went on our first date. And I'll be honest with you, don't, don't take this the wrong way. I'm pretty good, pretty good at a first date. I uh, prepared some stories and I was you know, more about her than about me. And, and we sat down for our first date at this restaurant. We're eating, whatever. And you know, I was doing my best on the first date. And I'll never forget this moment ever in my life. She looked at me across the table and she kind of batted her eyelashes. And she said, uh, I should probably tell you this. I said, okay. And she said, I fall in love very easily. And I think it's happening right now. And I looked for an exit. I immediately looked for like, where is, where's the closest exit? I got to get out of here. The next day, uh, she came to my house. I live just off campus. She came to my house off campus. She did the dishes for the seven men who lived in my house, including myself. And she made me lunch. And I came in from class, didn't know she was there. It's all clean. She cleaned it, did dishes, and she had my lunch on a plate. And she said this, someday I'll make a great wife. And I said, not for me. 
And that's the last time we spoke, actually. Uh, you know, she was saying something that, that I knew wasn't true. She was saying, I think, I'm, I think after one conversation and one date, I'm falling in love with you. No, absolutely not. Because love is to be deeply committed and connected to someone or something. Now, for me, love was really, really in focus in my life over the last uh, 15 days or so. Maybe you know this, maybe you don't. On December 10, I left with a a mission team uh, off to Bulgaria, and uh, there were uh, 19 of us on the team. And uh, here's a little quick quick preview of our trip. We we flew up to Chicago from Columbus, and then we flew all the way to to London, all the way in England. We were there for maybe four hours down to Sofia in Bulgaria. Uh, Then we were, that's a whole team right there, by the way. We were able to do uh, seminars for college students. There I am doing one of the seminars. Pastor Gary did one. I did two seminars. We met with students one-on-one. We actually had 39 one-on-one meetings with uh, Bulgarian college students. Give a little hand for that. That's a big deal. That's a, that's a big thing. Uh, then we traveled all the way to the heart of Bulgaria, way five hours away from the capital to the mountains, where we were able to celebrate Operation Christmas. That's Logan preaching last Sunday in church there in Bulgaria. And we were celebrating by giving Operation Christmas Child gifts. Some gifts were bigger than the children getting the gifts, actually. But it was an amazing, amazing time just to give that. And then we have one last meal and we all came home from the trip. So anyway, I was gone for, for that whole time, gone for, gone for about 11 days on that mission trip. And I really, again, love really came into focus for me because I was away at Christmas from people that I really love. And one of them is you guys. Certainly missed you last Sunday, certainly. And sorry, you had to put up with Dan. Uh, but anyway, uh, I was away from people that I love, you guys and my family as well. And, and it was a funny thing to be away at Christmas, at this Christmas season, and just feel that connection to my family and to my church and feel that longing for you. But also, at the same time, kind of in a, in a fresh way, feeling the, the love of God for the team that was there and the people we were ministering to. And love is such a central part of our lives, central to the Christmas story. Here's what the Bible says. John says to us in 1 John 4, 9, this is how God showed his love amongst us. Flanero is the Greek word showed. And that, that Greek word means actually, it means to make obvious, to make plain to all. He made it absolutely plain and obvious to all of us. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent it's a, it's a, uh, in the Greek language, the, this is written originally as, as like, it's like a command from God. God commanded Jesus. God sent his one and only son into the world. You should see Christmas. Everything about the sacred celebration of Christmas as God saying to you, I love you and I proved it. I proved it by sending you my son. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Are you, stop, are you? If you believe in Christ, are you living through him? That's an amazing part of Christmas for us to understand. Now, early in the, fill in number one. Here's fill in number one. God's love is at the heart of the Christmas story. Just know that. Everything about the celebration of Christmas, everything about understanding the deeper meaning of Christmas is to see that God's love, deep and abiding love, is at the heart of the Christmas story. And this is very special. What I'm going to tell you is it's almost, I should almost whisper it. It's so sacred and so special and so amazing. 500 years before the birth of Christ, a word was spoken, the word Emmanuel. 
This is actually how Matthew, uh, in the first chapter of Matthew, he, he, he reminds us of the word Emmanuel when he says this. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call, would you say the word Emmanuel when I get there? Just, just go ahead and, the room's not full, but your voices can be full. Fill up the room. Here we go. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us, Emmanuel. Now, I really want you to see the wonder and the beauty that God sent his son who came in flesh. Now, remember it. Jesus came as a man. Paul tells us in Philippians chapter two, we'll look at that in a second, that, that he became, he came as a man. He came as a person. John reminds us in, in John chapter one, that he became flesh. God became flesh. So I wanna just take a moment right now to fully open your eyes to what this Emmanuel, the incarnation is really all about. I'm gonna take you to, to three experts on the incarnation. The first is... Uh, Pastor and author uh, Chuck Swindoll. Chuck Swindoll talks about uh, Emmanuel, God with us. And, and this is what Chuck, Chuck Swindoll says. He says this, Emmanuel, God with us. He who resided in heaven, co-equal and co-eternal with the Father and the Spirit, willingly descended into our world. He breathed our air, felt our pain and knew our sorrows. The word became flesh and lived and died with us. Another uh, expert I'll point you to, J.I. Packer, a theologian, says it like this. The Almighty appeared on earth as a helpless human baby. Just think of it. Needing to be fed and changed and taught to talk like any other child. The more you think about it, the more staggering it gets. Nothing in fiction is so fantastic as the truth of the incarnation. Think of it. The creator of the world came to the world. That's what John says to us. John says it so distinctly, so clearly in John 1.14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. John, John 1.1, the word was with God. The word was God. Jesus was God, was with God at the creation of all things. And then the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, the verse continues, we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Another expert I'll point you to on the incarnation is, is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer, actually, I'm going to show you a quote by Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer wrote this quote in a, in a cell. In Nazi Germany, after uh, speaking out against Hitler and the Nazi regime, after being part of a plot that might have ended Hitler's life, he was... Incarcerated, eventually Bonhoeffer was hung for, for the crimes the Nazis accused him of, but he was in a cell on Christmas. He was there meditating and thinking about, about Christmas day and Bonhoeffer writes a letter to his fiancee and he says these words to her. Here's the incarnation in Bonhoeffer's words. God marches right in. Oh, don't you love that? God marches right in. He becomes flesh. He performs his wonders where we would least expect them. Think about, think about a manger. God laid in a manger. God is near to the lowly. He loves the lost, the neglected, the unseemly, the excluded, the weak, and the broken. Hey, if you're any of those things right now in your life or ever have been, if you ever felt neglected, lost, unseemly, excluded, weak, broken, I know I have. 
I felt all of those things in my life. You can know God came for you. Say amen. God marched right in. He becomes flesh. Another quote on the incarnation is that God rolled up his sleeves and became one of us. He marched right in. Now, Paul, another expert on the incarnation in Philippians chapter two, gives us a beautiful picture of the incarnation of what Jesus did and how it affects us. Here's Paul in Philippians chapter two. Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to cling to. Now, let's think about that. Jesus is co-equal with God in heaven. He's there at creation, but God sent him to us. But Paul presents a deeper understanding that not only did God send Jesus, Jesus chose willingly to come. Look what Paul says. He was in very nature God, but did not consider equality with God something to cling to. Rather, he made himself nothing. Now stop and think about that. He made himself nothing. What's that look like for Jesus to make himself nothing? Well, in one way, it looks like becoming a, a sing, a, a, just a, a, a human baby. Or, or before that, becoming a fetus. And before that, becoming an ovum, a single fertilized egg. God shrunk down to that very size. He made himself nothing. He made himself nothing, Paul says, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Now, two things about this that should blow your mind and fill you with awe here at Christmas. Number one, that God becomes a servant. That God comes, Jesus comes to serve you and to serve me. That God humbles himself. How much more should we become a servant? How much more should we humble ourselves? Jesus is the example for us. How much did Jesus humble himself? Before I go there, let me remind you, Jesus also said this about himself. He, he said to us clearly in, in, in Matthew 11, learn from me, I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your soul. What does it mean to serve a humble God? What does it mean to know Jesus Christ who is humble, who came for the lowly and the lost and the neglected and all those who are suffering? Jesus came for us as one of us. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself to what degree? It already said he made himself nothing, but then he humbled himself to what point? And became obedient to death, even death on a cross. What an amazing thing. Frederick Beckner talks about this when he says, there's a kind of terror about Christmas. Have you thought about that? A kind of terror about Christmas, a kind of holiness and awesomeness that we tend to forget. The resurrection and the life came down and tasted the bitterness of death. Something so central to us is this very understanding, 1 John 4, 10, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And I was there in, in, in Bulgaria on, that, on the mission trip. And I, I did a, a seminar on emotional intelligence and we had a good, a good crowd showed up and people made one-on-one -on -one appointments to come and, and, and talk about mental health and to understand more fully. But we knew, I knew, and you probably knew, I at some point was going to share the story of Jesus Christ, God's amazing love for us. 
one of my appointments was with my daughter, actually, Ella, and I were doing the appointment together. And we're just talking through the, the problems and issues of this one young Bulgarian college student. And she's talking about her life and her anxieties and her ups and downs and her parents and her problems and all the things happening. And we got all the way through that, that, that conversation, made a plan for her. And then we're, we're checking off the list of, of does the plan meet the criteria? Does it, does it affect you intellectually? Does it affect you socially? Does it affect you physically? And then the last one, does it affect your spiritual life? And I asked her, what do you think of when you hear that word spiritual? And she kind of she kind of backed away from me and she looked at me all strange and all weird. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know spiritually. And she said, Well, I guess it's about God. I guess it's about God. And I guess it's about, you know, how 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 we might believe or not believe in God. And she said, I'm not religious, I don't believe in God. I said, let me, let me tell you my story. And I, I told her my story of coming to Christ. And my, and my daughter jumped in, told her story about how God has impacted her life. And this girl had a, had a look on her face and she asked a question. She said, so I'll ask you, like she's gonna trap us, kind of her thought. So I'll ask you, is God more about punishment or about love? It's kind of an interesting question, isn't it? From a college student, an atheist. Is God more about punishment or is God about love? And I said, God is very much into fairness. And so God took out all the punishment on his son that he could for us be about forgiveness. And she said, ah, good answer, (laughs) was what she said. Here it is again. He became an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is number two. Jesus' death reveals the, the depth of his love for you. If you, wanna, if you wanna see God's love, see it in Christmas. If you wanna feel God's love, understand the depth of it, look to Good Friday. Look to that moment in time to understand how the death of Christ should make you not in any way question God's love for you. And by the way, not only did Jesus die for our sins, I'll say it, maybe you could cheer a little. He also rose again from the grave and is alive today, is alive now, rescuing people from their sins. Now, one more thing about this love of God. We're talking about how we know it. We're talking about what it means. But Paul says something really interesting about the love of God. He says this in a prayer to the Ephesians and then for us as well, Paul says this. I pray that out of God's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. How many would just say today, maybe just say this, I need that. Maybe just, not out loud, don't raise your hand, but just internally recognize, you know, I need that. I'll, I'll be honest with you, I need it. You know, I'm, I'm in the middle of, it's a, a joy, but I'm preaching six sermons in 26 hours. Praise God for that. And this is my, my hump sermon, my third of six today, right now. But I need, I need God's power from his spirit in my inner being. And I, I think you do too. I think you need that. Wherever you are, however old or young you are, wherever you are in life, watching online or sitting right here, you need it. The power of the Holy Spirit at work in your inner being. And Paul goes on to pray this. And, I pr- and may you have the power to understand, get this, the power to understand how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love, that's an interesting idea, isn't it? to know the love of God, to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Not only can you, not only does Paul pray that you would understand God's love, that's really what the first half of this sermon has been about, understanding the love of God. 
We understand God loves us by looking at Christmas and looking at Easter and seeing all that God has done. But there's more than just understanding God's love. There is knowing it. Now, and Paul says again, look, look at the word again. He says to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? How do you know something that surpasses knowledge? Well, number one, what kind of know is this? It's personally to know, to personally know the love of God. How does it surpass knowledge? Well, I'll, I'll be, be, it's be easy. I have love, honestly, in my heart that surpasses my knowledge. I don't know how I love so much the things in my life. I don't know why I started loving them. My children are a great example of this. I never, I never decided, okay, I guess I'm gonna love my kids. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do it. You know, we had them, might as well love them. No, it never happened. They were born and bam, love exploded in my heart. How many parents in the room right now had the same experience? Your child was born and you knew a love like you never imagined. Now that love, if you haven't had kids yet, that love is a love that surpasses knowledge. It's the same love that Paul is talking about here, that you would know the love of God. That surpasses knowledge. Again, in Bulgaria, we were walking and prayer walking and we encountered a group of students. We walked up to them on their college campus and we got in a conversation with them. And it turns out, very rare thing happened. One of those students was actually a Bible-believing Christian, a very rare thing to find in Bulgaria. And we were just talking with them and the topic of, 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 of religion, God, came up and she said, she said out loud in front of all of her friends, this young college student said, I have a personal relationship with God. And they all looked kind of blown away by that. And that opened the door for a great conversation. And the conversation actually broke into kind of two parts. And there was one part happening over here. And I was in the second part with one of the, the college students there. And, and she said, how would you define religion? And I said, well, I don't think it's really about religion. The Bible talks more about a relationship with God. And I said, I would define it like this, knowing the love of God. And her body reacted. She said, oh, like, like that thought was so crazy to her, to know the love of God. And she backed away like, whoa. And she said, I've got to think about that. Like she'd never had the idea, never had the thought ever in her life that a human being could know the love of God. By the way, here's a picture of all those in that story. And here's a picture of that one, that one woman who gave that little explanation. And we had a great, great conversation. So my question's there for you. Can you? How many of you raise your hand in the room? You, you'd say, there's been a moment or, or many moments in my life where I have felt and known God's love for me. Just raise your hand. So important. Here's your third fill-in for today. God's love is continually available to us. We are to receive it and share it. Two simple things. Two simple takeaways from Christmas love. God's love is continually available to us, number one. And number two, we are to receive it and share it. We are to receive it and share it. A couple of thoughts about, about receiving the love of God and sharing the love of God. Is, is God's love, a question for you, is God's love available? Am I right when I say that? That God's love is continually available for us. You've got, you've got to think about that. And if you're, if you're, if you, if you're also a Bible-believing Christian, you would examine Scripture. What does Scripture say? What's the Bible say about, about the availability of the love of God? That How available is it? If you go all the way back in the Old Testament, you can find passages about God's love. For example, David says this beautiful thing. Now, I could read this to you, but better than me reading it, I'm gonna let somebody sing it to you. Here's a third day uh, singing a song written from this Psalm 36. Here, here, here it is. Your love, oh Lord, 
reaches to the heaven. Don't you love his voice? I do. Big fan. Your faithfulness stretches to the skies. Your righteousness. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountain. Justice flows, your justice flows like the ocean's tide. Tell you what, let's do that again, and maybe you guys sing this time. Maybe sing this, sing this psalm. It's directly from Scripture, Psalm 30, 36, 5 and 6. Let's directly sing this, this about God's love back to God. Here we go. Your love, oh Lord, reaches to the heaven. Stretches to the skies Your righteousness Your righteousness Is like the mighty mountain As justice flows Your justice flows Like the ocean's tides I'll lift my voice well, let's go back to it. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. Well, well it's, it's really fascinating. If you think about that line, just the first line that we just sang, your love, O Lord, that's a topic of our sermon. It's Christmas love. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. Don't you think, think about it just for a second. Don't you think David has this backwards? Wouldn't you think David's got the, he's got the entire order of God's love backwards. He should be saying, your love, O Lord, reaches from the heavens to me. That's not what he's saying. He's actually saying, your love, God, goes from me all the way to the heavens. Or maybe he's saying, it's from the earth, from the ground. Your love goes from the ground all the way to the heavens. He's saying, there's nowhere you can go. That God's love is not available. That God's love is not there. That God's love is not directly with you in that place. Here's here's what Paul says, Romans 5, 5, the New Living Translation. For we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit, to fill our hearts with his love. I would say to you with clarity that that God's love is continually available. And here's how, through the Holy Spirit, that God gave you the Holy Spirit to live inside of you, that you could have continual access to God's love, that you could know it. And I'm just wondering right now, how many of you have access the peace of God, the hope of God, the joy of God, and the love of God. You have access, but you're just not accessing those things that God has made available for you. That you're somehow living this life where, where it's, 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 it's right there. You can reach out. You can touch it. Love, joy, peace, hope. But you're living in a secluded, isolated way from the things of God. A life of worship a life of surrender, a life of repentance opens the door for all these things, peace, hope, joy, especially love to come flooding in. We are to continually receive it. Here's point number three again. God's love is continually available to us. We are to receive it and share it. Now stop right there and think about that. What might it mean to share the love of God? 
I think two things. There's probably, probably 10 things you could think of, but I'll say two. Two things I think it might mean to share the love of God. But before I say that, let's all agree on this. Could you agree by raising your hand? It is, if you're in Christ, your responsibility is to share God's love. Raise your hand. Do you believe that? It's your responsibility. I would say also, it's your responsibility to know this love that surpasses knowledge. You gotta know it. You wanna live in it. You wanna feel it, the love of God, but then you gotta share it. I think there's two ways that you share the love of God. And number one is clear and obvious. The first way that you share the love of God is by telling someone about what God has done by sending Jesus, by Christ dying and raising again. You are to be a witness of what you've seen and what you've heard. And so you share God's love by simply sharing. That might look like you in a small way inviting someone to church. Might look like in a small way, you stepping up and saying to somebody, hey, come with me or, or let me just tell you about my life or, or what God has done inside of me. Part of sharing God's love is telling others what God has done for you. Don't lose sight of that. But secondly, sharing God's love very, very simply is just doing something loving for someone else. Just loving them, just serving them. You know, we, we do a lot of things here at church that, as a demonstration of God's love. We, at Thanksgiving, we, we do this beautiful thing at Thanksgiving where we, we, uh, we partner with Granville Christian Academy and Sunshine School and we put together Thanksgiving baskets, a, a Thanksgiving meal for a family struggling. We do it again at Christmas. They're called Christmas boxes. They went out this week. We, we delivered two families boxes with a Christmas meal just to say, we love you. Here's a tangible expression of God's love. There in Bulgaria on our trip, one of our team members was a, a local physician, uh, Dr. David Kuntz was on our trip. Maybe many of you know Dr. Kuntz, been a, uh, attending Spring Hills for over 20 years, just a great, a great man. And he was there giving medical care in the name of Jesus for free to people in Bulgaria that were struggling. We, we went house to house to elderly people in a Bulgarian village, and he just met with them. I was with him, actually. He went into a home as a woman. She had a stroke. And Dr. Kuntz knelt beside her bed. She's a Muslim woman, doesn't believe in Christ. She's had a stroke and Dr. Kuntz nailed beside her bed and gave her a little medical, uh, you know, some just a little analysis medically. And then I watched him in this act of love. He just put his hand out. He took her hand in his and he said, can I just pray for you? And she nodded her head, didn't speak English, nodded her head. And he prayed, he just prayed over her, just showed her the love of God. That's the mission I have for you. Number one, to consider where you are with Christ. And number two, if you're in Christ, you've got to receive God's love and you've got to show it. You've got to to talk about it and you've got to give it to people in your life. Would you bow your heads right now? I just mentioned assessing where you are with Christ. Praise team, you can come on back up. I just mentioned assessing where you are with Christ. So let's just do that for a second. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. You can take a second. Where are you with Jesus Christ? Many of you might say today that you, you know him. You've known his love and you, and you know him. But there are no doubt some here now and some watching online who would have to admit, I don't know. I don't know him. I don't know his love. I, I'd like to. I'd like to know the love of God. I'd, I'd like to be forgiven. And if you'd like to accept Christ today, I'm gonna pray a a very simple prayer. I'll pray out loud. You pray quietly with me and just pray and accept Jesus Christ, the savior of the world into your life. If you accept him, it means you're gonna follow him and do things his way. Just pray this prayer as I pray out loud. You wanna accept Christ today? Pray this prayer. Just begins like this. Father God, I thank you for today. I know I've made mistakes. 
I know I've committed sins, but I ask you to forgive me. And Jesus Christ, I know you died for me and rose again. Come into my life. I repent of living for myself and I will live for you. Be my Lord and be my savior. In your name I pray. Hey, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Just, just raise your hand, just say, yeah, I prayed that prayer. Prayed that prayer right now today, right here on Christmas Eve. Made that declaration to Christ. Thank you. I'm just gonna pray for, for all you who are here. Father God, I pray we can remember in this moment what it means to know your love, to receive it and to share it. God, I pray an anointing on all those watching online right now, all those sitting here, that they would take up that mission, that their mission is to receive your love, to know the love that surpasses knowledge and to share it with others. God, in wordless, kind acts from a heart of love and also by directly sharing the story of Christ directly sharing the gospel. God, I pray you empower them. I pray you energize them as they understand their responsibility to receive your love and to share it with those they encounter in this life. In your name we pray, Jesus, amen.